All right. If you can, turn in your Bibles to Mark chapter 11. We're going to read verses 1 through 11. Mark 11, verse, verses 1 through 11. You can find it on page 1,572 of your pew Bibles. 1,572. Mark 11, verses 1 through 11. As they approached Jerusalem and came to Bethpage and Bethany at the Mount of Olives, Jesus sent two of his disciples, saying to them, Go to the village ahead of you, and just as you enter it, you will find a colt tied there, which no one has ever ridden. Untie it and bring it here. If anyone asks you, Why are you doing this? Tell him, The Lord needs it, and will send it back here shortly. They went and found a colt outside in the street, tied at a doorway. As they untied it, some people standing there asked, What are you doing untying that colt? They answered as Jesus had told them had told them to, and the people let them go. When they brought the colt to Jesus and threw their cloaks over it, he sat on it. Many people spread their cloaks on the road, while others spread branches they had cut in the fields. Those who went ahead and those who followed shouted, Hosanna! Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessed is the coming kingdom of our father David. Hosanna in the highest. Jesus entered Jerusalem and went to the temple. He looked around at everything, but since it was already late, he went out to Bethany with the twelve. Thus ends our reading of God's sufficient word. May all who hear it shout to the Lord, Hosanna. It was in late 2010 that President Obama began his first leg of a diplomatic tour through Asia. His first stop, Mumbai, India. Now there is a lot that goes on in preparing for such a visit. Welcoming parties must be organized, food must be delivered and prepared in a certain way, parting gifts need to be purchased and presented, transportation needs to be provided, traffic needs to be redirected, and then there are those security issues that need to be dealt with. All threats must be eliminated particularly coconuts. Yes, coconuts. Those feisty coconuts, they, they need to be dealt with. Leaving nothing to chance, the officials of the city of Mumbai had all the dried coconuts removed from the trees at each and every stop that President Obama would make during his stay there. <coughs> For how unfortunate would it be to have a rogue coconut fall from the skies and land upon the president's head, injuring him, or, or even worse, fatally killing him. 
This is the level of detail that people go through today when world dignitaries come to visit. Coconuts are removed from the trees. Today is Palm Sunday, the day our Lord entered into his holy city, the city of Jerusalem. What type of welcome would he find there? Would he be greeted as a king as he entered in? Now, if one reads through the book of Mark, they will notice that that chapter 11 is, is a shift in the narratives. For it is a turning point in Mark's story. The focus is taken off of the ministry of Jesus and placed onto the temple and Jesus fulfilling his threefold role of prophet, priest, and king. And it is precisely this last role of king that, that Mark begins with. The king of kings and the Lord of lords was entering into his city. Would the people be prepared? What type of reception would Jesus be given? Let's look at verses 1 through 3. As he approached Jerusalem and came to Bethpage and Bethany at the Mount of Olives, Jesus sent two of his disciples, saying to them, Go to the village ahead of you, and just as you enter it, you will find a colt tied there, which no one has ever ridden. Untie it and bring it here. If anyone asks you, why are you doing this? Tell him, the Lord needs it, and we'll send it back here shortly. Jesus and his disciples were just outside the city at Bethpage and Bethany, roughly one mile away from the city gates of Jerusalem. They were near the slopes of the Mount of Olives. And Jesus gives instructions to his disciples of how to prepare for his entrance into the city. They were to find a colt that had never been ridden before. But why? This was to fulfill what was spoken of by the prophet Zechariah that we read earlier. Zechariah 9 verse 9 says this, Rejoice greatly, O daughter of Zion! Shout, daughter of Jerusalem, see, your king comes to you, righteous and having salvation, gentle and riding on a donkey, on a colt, the foal of a donkey. Jesus understood exactly what he was doing. He knew how the people would react if they saw him coming up that path towards Jerusalem, sitting upon this colt. Messianic images of Zechariah's prophecy were sure to come to the people's minds. What you must understand is that Jesus entered the scene during a, a politically charged period of Israel's history. The Jews were under Roman control, and there was much, much disagreement as to how to deal with this situation. Many were looking for a Messiah. They wanted the king from the line of David to come that would help them and rescue them, that would lead the charge into battle, bringing salvation 
by wielding the sword. However, there were some, the religious leaders, they were quite comfortable with their Roman overlords. You see, Rome had granted to the people religious freedom so the Jews could keep their monotheistic ways just as long as they paid their taxes. And it was this deal that kept both the chief priests and the scribes in positions of power and influence. Would they have liked to have rid themselves of Rome? Sure. But not if they would suffer loss in doing so. And honestly, these, these leaders, they, they thought they, they didn't stand a chance if a true rebellion ever broke out. So, as Jesus prepared his entry into the city, riding on a colt, he was making a statement. It was an announcement, one that would be taken by some to be a sign of hope, hope that very soon their Roman overlords would be mastered and the Jews would once again be free from their oppressors. However, for others, this was not a statement of hope, but a pronouncement of doom. For depending on how many followers Jesus could garner to himself, such a rebellion would spell trouble for the whole city, jeopardizing the small amount of freedom that they had already been granted. Jesus understood fully well how these different factions would interpret his entrance into the holy city, even though he had something altogether different in mind. So he sent his disciples to bring him a colt, and they found everything exactly as Jesus said. Verses 4 through 6. They went and found a colt outside in the street, tied at a doorway. As they untied it, some people standing there asked, What are you doing untying that colt? They answered as Jesus had told them to, and the people let them go. Now, why Jesus arranged such a strange scenario, it's difficult to say. Perhaps he was demonstrating to his disciples his divine foreknowledge, but more likely, he wanted word to spread that he was about to enter into his city. What you need to understand is that all of the buzz at this time concerned Jesus. Stories of his exploits had spread far and wide. News of his miracles and healings were passed along. Word of that time when, when he multiplied the bread and fed 5,000. That was public knowledge. And from John's gospel, we know that just prior to his appearance in Jerusalem, Jesus had raised Lazarus from the dead. So yes, all the talk centered around Jesus and his coming to Jerusalem to celebrate the Passover. What was Jesus going to do? What would Jesus say? 
How would the people react to him? Would the priests and the scribes, would they, would they finally recognize him as the Messiah? What would Rome do if Jesus gained a large following? Yes, Jesus knew exactly what he was doing as he sat upon that colt. He was stirring the pot. He was giving to his city a warning that their king was about to enter in. And the question was, would they be ready? Would they be prepared? What type of welcome would their Messiah receive? Look at verses 7 through 10. When they brought the colt to Jesus and threw their cloaks over it, he sat on it. Many people spread their cloaks on the road, while others spread branches they had cut in the fields. Those who went ahead and those who followed shouted, Hosanna! Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessed is the coming kingdom of our father David. Hosanna in the highest. There were many that recognized Jesus as their king. They lined the streets leading up to the city gates, shouting praises to their Messiah. For those who were rich they, and could afford an outer cloak, they would lay it on the ground. For after all, a king should not dirty his feet, and neither should the king's colt. For those who were poor and did not own such a, such a cloak to lay down, they, they grabbed the palm branches from the trees nearby and laid them on the ground. They were creating a clean pathway for their Lord. And the shouts rang out, Hosanna! A combination of two Hebrew words, Hoshia and Na. They literally mean, save us now. This crowd, they, they were both jubilant and emphatic. On the one hand, they were, they, they were desperate for someone to come and rescue them. On the other hand, they were they were filled with joy for that someone has finally arrived. Jesus is their Messiah. He is their Savior. And so they continued their praises with shouts of, Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. They have rightly recognized that, that Jesus is God's representative. He acts on behalf of God. That's what it means to come in the name of another. As his ambassador, Jesus held the authority and power of God. But the crowds weren't finished there. Blessed is, he, blessed is the coming kingdom of our father, David. These people also rightly proclaim that Jesus is from the lineage of David. And that he would be the one to establish the kingdom. A dominion that was promised to David all those years ago. They saw that messianic hope being fulfilled in this man. This man who was riding on a colt into the city. 
And finally, they shouted, Hosanna in the highest. Save us now in the highest. Who can be higher than God? And where else does salvation come from but from God? When we put this all together, what what do we see the crowd saying here? Please save us now. Blessed are you who represents our God. Blessed is your kingdom, O ruler of Israel. Salvation comes from our God. The crowds are correct in their language. But did they understand its full significance? Most likely, no. They were were looking for a king like David, someone who could defeat Goliath for them. They wanted to be released from their oppressors and once again find blessing in the land that God had promised them all those years ago. But Jesus had other ideas of what salvation means. He looked beyond today and seeing needs that none could fathom. He knew of of an oppressor greater than any Roman general. He understood that there are fates worse than death and that his battle would not be waged with a sword and a shield. For he fought against pride and ego. He waged war on sin itself. This is why Jesus came to his city, riding in on a donkey and not on some war horse or chariot. For he must be humble to succeed. He needs to be vulnerable in order to rescue So, as these desperate people clung on to their hope, as they shouted, Hosanna, Jesus approached the city knowing full well what was before him. For their true hope lied in his anguish and a suffering king, a king who was about to enter into his throne room. Look at verse 11. Jesus entered Jerusalem and went to the temple. He looked around at everything, but since it was already late, he went out to Bethany with the twelve. This king finally gazed on his sanctuary. He saw his holy temple the place in which for generations he had already dwelt. Year after year, the people had come to him, offering their sacrifices. And now God's presence had returned, this time in physical form. And he was surveying his castle. Would his subjects be loyal Would they manage his household well? What type of greeting would the caretakers prepare in this homecoming? 
Malachi chapter 3, verses 1 through 3. See, I will send my messenger who will prepare the way before me. Then suddenly the Lord you are seeking will come to his temple. The messenger of the covenant whom you desire will come, says the Lord Almighty. But who can endure the day of his coming? Who can stand when he appears? For he will be like a refiner's fire or a launderer's soap. He will sit as a refiner and purifier of silver. He will purify the Levites and refine them like gold and silver. The Lord they had been seeking entered into his temple, but they did not recognize him. And their offerings were corrupt, for they had turned the house of the Lord into a den of thieves. Would they be able to stand at his appearance? Would they endure his coming? It would be that very next day at that temple that Jesus would cleanse the whole place. Would they also be purified? Would they be refined? The people of this world know how to treat their dignitaries. When the, when the VIPs enter in, the red carpet rolls out. When the champions receive their crowns, the champagne flows. And when Obama goes to Mumbai, the coconuts are removed from every tree. Yet when the king of kings and lord of lords enters into his house, would he find welcome? Would the religious leaders even recognize him? Do you know why the chief priests and the scribes didn't view Jesus as their Messiah? Because they didn't think they needed a Messiah. Their life was pretty good, just as it was. The masses, those on the streets, they were looking for a certain kind of Messiah. Those who were shouting Hosanna outside the city walls, they hoped for a warrior. They wanted a man who could, who could make their lives better now. Yet it was those on the inside who already had the better life. For them... No Savior was necessary. <clears throat> the more things change, the more they stay the same. Dear friends, Christ comes to his house today. He enters into his church. What will he find? Are you prepared to greet him? What kind of Savior are you looking for? Do you look for a Messiah who will fix all your temporary problems? Are you asking Jesus to take away all your pain and suffering here and now? Do you want him to defeat your oppressor, to slay your Goliath? Do you want that earthly kingdom? If that is the Jesus you are looking for. There are plenty of churches down the street where you can find him. 
Yet perhaps you are not looking for Jesus at all. Your life is pretty good as it is. You don't want anything, or rather anyone, to upset the status quo. So you don't listen to the real need in your life. You tune out the preacher when the topic of sin and God's wrath comes up. For if that message is true, it will mean that that their view of yourself is wrong and that your image of God is a false one. And in order to find true salvation, you need to repent. The religious leaders of Jesus' day believed that they were good enough, and that was why they lived such a cushy life. The folks on the streets, they believed that Rome was their biggest threat. And so they looked for that warrior king, a king who would rescue them. Yet Jesus rode in upon a donkey. And the salvation he brought with him looked nothing like the salvation the people wanted even though their shouts were dead on. Hosanna, save us now. Rescue us from our sins. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Jesus is God's representative to us because he is fully God, holy and pure, worthy of all honor. Blessed is the coming kingdom of our father David. Jesus is fully human, born to broker peace between God and man and to establish his eternal kingdom. Hosanna in the highest. Salvation only comes through God. Only Jesus can take away your sins. Brothers, sisters, Jesus rode into the city of Jerusalem lauded as a king, but he left that city as a convicted criminal. He went to the cross to pay the penalty for your sins. The wrath of God was poured out upon him. And it was at Calvary that he defeated your true enemy. For it was was there that your sin died with your Lord. Yet death could not hold this humble man. For three days later, he triumphed over the grave and rose from the dead. And he now sits enthroned in heaven. And he is interceding for you. Repent and believe this good news. This is the Messiah that you need. And this is why you should shout, Hosanna. Let us pray. Father, we confess that all too often we we desire a worldly Savior. Our focus is not on eternity, but on the here and the now. 
help us to repent. Give us faith to believe in your Son and in his salvation. Fill us now with your your Holy Spirit that we might be prepared. Prepared for your coming so that, that we too can shout, Hosanna, save us now. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.